Welcome to The Morning Crew, a grief podcast hosted by three gals in their mid-20s. Here, talking about grief is completely normal and a part of our everyday life. So grab a cup of coffee or a drink. Grief conversations can actually be that casual. So let's talk about it. Welcome, everybody. Um, today, we are once again the Mads and KB show, and we are just holding down the fort. So hopefully you liked our last episode because it's us again. This time, we have a host login, so we were actually able to get into our recording room and press the record button. So I think we're having a lot of um, positive steps forward, and we're learning and growing, so I'm really proud of us. Um, but first, before we dive into any sort of topics and what we're going to discuss today, I wanted to pass it to Mads to kind of lead us into a big um, headline that we've kind of been hearing about and discussing. Yeah. Thank you, Kathy. Um, so I'm sure you've probably seen the uh, wildfires in Maui in the village of Lahaina. And if you're a, a Average listener, you might remember back when I went there in January and kind of had a moving experience um, and was able to talk to my dad about a lot of certain things because it was one of my papa's favorite places. Um, and so the village that that is burned, there, I mean, it's terrible. There's over 85 lives lost. It's the deadliest fire in U.S. history. It's just incredibly heartbreaking and for a lot of reasons. Um but it's interesting because we have this Maui group chat that goes on, um, and we we talk all year round with the friends that live there and that we're friends with. And my dad was was texting quite a bit, and he kept talking about how his like stomach hurt because it was just such awful, awful memories and awful things that are happening over there. And um, my our other friend in the group page, she had said that she thought about how she had had. This is exactly how she worded it, and I I put it in quotes on a note page because I wanted to make sure that I was reading it exactly how she wrote it because I read it in the middle of my work day, and I was like, shit, like, that's fucking, that's the heavy. Um, But she said, I think about how I have pictures with my dad in front of chemos, and now they're both gone. I can't even begin to imagine the amount of memories and artifacts lost forever. Um, And so the way that she had said, I have pictures with my dad in front of this restaurant, and now they're they're both gone. Um, That was just kind of like, damn, that's heavy. And then my dad responded and was like, yeah, my dad loved that place. It's literally gut-wrenching. And throughout the day, he'll text me like, I just still can't believe it. And then to not only have the grief of, I guess, a place that meant so much to you, but then kind of feeling like the memories that you have there are, you know, were so, so great. But in with somebody who's also passed away and there were a lot of layers to it. And it was just an interesting conversation that was being had by like a bunch of adults that, you know, I respect and look up to. And usually like when we were in Hawaii, if there was an issue, like they were who I would turn to, I would ask their advice about something. And so it was interesting um, that they were so open about it. And I'm really grateful that they were, but it's just layers. And obviously, um, I mean, hearts and thoughts and prayers to the village of Lahaina. It was, it's such a beautiful spot. Um, and it's just, it's just horrible. Um, the wildfires that, that grew out of control over there. Um, 
But I, I just, I want to, yeah, it was, like I said, there's just a lot of different layers to it. And I'm going to um, post, I'll post a little bit about um, kind of the fires and what was going on and what you guys can do to help if anyone can. I know that, you know, money is tight a lot of times and that's kind of the easiest thing right now because it is such a remote destination. Um, but even just keeping them in your thoughts and, and trying to figure out, you know, if there's anything that any of us on the mainland can do to help. It's really just been like a heartbreaking situation all around. Um and it's interesting because we're planning on going again this year. Um, it's, it sounds very spoiled, and it is, but it's where my where my grandparents used to go all the time when my dad was growing up. And so he's taking us back. And it's just now it, it's just this weird feeling of like, oh, the spot we used to go to and we used to go and talk about all the memories with um, Papa and my dad. And then like we retook pictures they took and just kind of the fact that when we go back, that special place to my my dad and, and my family is just going to be gone. And obviously, it's the very least of the issues and the worries, um, but it's just an extra thought in the back of my head when I'm seeing all of the news going on. Um, so that's kind of what what we're going to open up and lead with. I know it's a little bit heavy. Um, I'm going to let Kathy respond if she wants to. And then, of course, I'm always going to push it back to Taylor Swift. So I need to hear about how Kathy had her two, two eras tour uh, in a week moments. And I need to hear all about that. But um, sorry to end or just begin on a little bit of a heavier note. But thanks for uh, for that one, Kathy. No, thank you so much for sharing. And I think it's so important that we always like on uh, talk about different types of grief and grief of a place isn't really one that we've really dived into. I think it would actually be like such a good episode to talk about, um, especially, you know, like homes and like that you grew up in or cities or um, things like that. And I think we've touched on it a little bit sometimes with our guests, like after they've left a city, if that was um, a moment of grief for them. And so I just think like in general, I can't imagine seeing your hometown or your home being so affected in a certain way. And so first of all, like for all of the grievers, um, for the people that live there and all of the places that were their home, um, or was home to them. I hurt my heart's like breaks for them. And obviously all of the victims um, of the fires and the families that were affected that are experiencing loss of life as well. Um, so I definitely think we should be supporting and posting any kind of sor sort of resources. And then for your family, I, I can only imagine, you know, it's kind of how we talk about like the outer rings of grief. Like first there's those core people that are affected. And then it's like, you don't even think about visitors to the country and like with the memories that they had there. Um, sorry, not to the country, to the city and the memories that they had there and what those mean and hold for certain people. Um, it's so interesting to think about associating a place with a person. And then, and like your friend Paige said, like I've lost both now. Like that's that is heavy and I can't imagine that. I'm, I think like, I don't think I've had a lot of experience with that, to be quite honest. Um, now that I'm looking back on a lot of things, but um, it's definitely an interesting topic that I think we could dive into and there's different ways and things to look at. Yeah. And, and as you said, it's so, as again, it's the, the outer, outer, outer layer, but it's so interesting um, to think about the fact that this place that had so many good memories for everyone. Like, I mean, if you've ever been to Hawaii or I'm sure you've been to great, great areas where like everybody just seems to be happy and love, like it's all good memories you have in a certain spot. And then now when you think of it, all you can really think about is like, not the fact that I was surfing there, not the fact that this village was incredible and had historic, you know, 
residents to Maui and, and taught about culture, but the fact that now it's just gone. Um, so I really hope that they're able to rebuild. I know that COVID was a really tough time for them, so I'm a little bit wary. But of course, I just um, anything that yeah, I mean, there's just nothing that you can even say or do in the situation, but it's just horrible. Um, and it's interesting how those kind of the good and the bad, like the spot that was always good can kind of be bad too. And it just reminds you of the, like the change of everything. Yeah. And it, like Hawaii is such, I feel like no, is a place that is known for such like peace and tranquility and like, like kind of what you were saying, exuding such like positivity and like the culture there and the people, like when you're there, you just feel so much more relaxed. It's crazy. Um, and so I can imagine it's only like a bit even more devastating that a place like that um, is being burdened by all of this. So hearts, thoughts, prayers, all of it go out to them. We'll share resources um, on our social handles and definitely think that we should cover that topic in the future. Um, but on a much lighter note, my era's experience, which we did want to touch on, um, was incredible. I am on a, like, I'm coming down. I did go twice. So I will say that the week before the tour, I had COVID and that was really unpleasant. Third time's a charm. I am just so blessed like that I just get to have every type of variant um, possible. And, you know, all, all things aside, I was very lucky. It was mild. Um, I worked from I worked from home for a bit and it took some sick days. And I was also really grateful that it happened the week before my tickets to the concert or else I would have been devastated. So I will say, um, so I ended up going Monday night and Wednesday night. And Monday night, I was like super congested. There was so much traffic getting to the stadium. Like I was very overwhelmed and I was exhausted maybe like 20 minutes into the show. And I was like, there's still another two and a half hours to go through. And so while it was amazing and I still had an incredible time on Monday night, I was way more present and just in a much better mood on Wednesday because I had done it. I knew what to expect. I got there earlier. Physically, I was feeling so much better. So that is one difference that I'll say, like, I am grateful to have experienced it twice because I was more present on that last last concert day and night. Um, but the secret songs that I got on Monday definitely made the entire night for me. I thought I was in a dream and everyone around me like also either felt the same or appreciated my excitement for it. So I was just so happy. I am so happy for you. I thought those were great songs. Um, I was so jealous, but living vicariously through you, as you know, I was blowing your phone up all week. Um, and I'm so sorry you were so sick, but I'm glad that you were able like to use it to have like the both experiences with it. Um, it's interesting because I feel like we could like we open up for a whole other topic is I recently went to Denver and it was this trip that I had dreamed about and for like ever, it was like three weeks ago and I got to go to Red Rocks and see Noah Khan, who's like one of my favorite artists with one of my favorite people and the come down when I got home from that. And I was like, I don't, I was like literally grieving an experience. And the way that my dad was talking to me was like, I was actually grieving. Like he was 
so funny and he was like it's this is not comical but he was trying to relate to his emotional 20 something daughter on her way to work and he was like comparing it to like ptsd or like all of these things and i was like oh my gosh and he uh he was like oh you know that's what happens when like women have babies i'm like dad not the same thing but like oh my gosh obviously very much not the same thing but he was it was very sweet he was trying but like i was crying when i woke up and i was like I had waited for this, this like a dr- literal dream experience for me. I had been looking forward to it all summer and then it was just gone. Um, and I just had this total, like, it was, it was insane. And I had never reacted on any kind of, I mean, I've, I'm lucky to do so many great trips and experiences, but I've never felt that way before. That is super interesting. And I wonder if a lot of people who went to the Eras tour also feel the same way. Um, but I think it's interesting because it's so relatable. I've experienced it. And I wonder if it comes from like a mental health, like sort of thing. And I, I know I talked about it in therapy, like sometimes my Monday blues are real, real blue. And there's a whole unpacking there, right? Of like, what did the weekend signify? What did I not do to take care of myself maybe during the weekend? Or what was just like on such heightened emotions that once you go back to reality, like you come crashing down. Um, but yeah, I think that that is a super, super interesting topic, but one to unpack. I I also want to say that, as you said, I know you were not feeling great after your, on Tuesday after your era's show, but I don't know how she does it. I was sore and exhausted after it. And I was like, I was just watching it. Um, and on, also on the mental health note, um, it reminded me, and I want to say, because there's still time if anybody else listening wants to do this, um, but I started remembering that daylight savings time was really rough for me last year because it was just rough for my mental state. And so I've started to like try to get my fun habits back now, like going to my cycle studio more that I kind of stopped going to for the summer and you know having protein smoothies whenever I don't necessarily have a full meal. And so I think they said that the last, the latest, or the yeah, the latest sunset for the year has already passed, and so um, I think there's still time if anybody else needs a, a mental health hack. I've started to slowly put myself into daylight savings mode before it's actually here, just in case. I love that. It's so true how crazy it is that the light affects your mood and your motivation. I mean, I feel way more motivated to run errands and get things done when it's light outside for a longer time. So I get that. I love that hack. I'm super happy that you brought it up. Um, I did have one quick thing before we get into our topic for today that I just had a little like, a random thought this week. And I definitely want to get Kelsey's perspective too um, when she gets back. But I think it might be more applicable to me just given a when I lost my dad. Um, But recently, and I feel like sometimes as a part of growing up in conversations with like friends or peers, you talk about like seeing your parents more as people rather than just a parent. And so like they're, they're a person too and how they function just as an adult, because now you're an adult and can relate to them. Um, And I always thought like that was always a really interesting shift. And I definitely had that shift with my mom and I saw it all kind of unfold before me. But then I was thinking about how I never got that with my dad. And it was kind of like a a weird one that I was like, you know, after so many years, you think you really uncovered it all. Like you really, you know what you've lost. You've you've lost so many other things and you've uncovered them along the way. And without fail, it surprises me still about some things that I've just never thought about. 
Thank you for for saying that. I, I've never really thought about that in that instance, but I do think a lot about how, you know, Shannon, my best friend, always says like one of the hardest parts of being an adult is realizing your parents are also just human. Um, and you kind of answered my question, one of my questions when you asked, but I'm, pro- I'm going to ask a twofold question, which probably annoys everyone listening because I do it all the time. Um, but I'm curious if, if you don't, as you said, you don't, you're not going to get to see your dad from your eyes now or see him as an adult or you with when you're both adults. So is there a specific time that you, when you think about him, you think about like whether it's like when you were in middle school or when you were really little, if there was like a first memory. And then the second fold question is, have you thought at all about what that relationship would be like now if you were still around? Ooh, ooh, yeah. That's, those are uh, some hard ones, and specifically the second part. But the first one, uh, yeah, I mean, it all kind of blends together because it's all like just my childhood. And I definitely think about, I think my mind chooses to focus on the years where he was healthy and where we were going on trips and vacations and all of those like really exciting moments. Like to me, he was like the fun dad. He spoiled me. I was like, like, um what's a phrase wrapped around his finger like pinky finger or whatever um that was always kind of like the joke and so I focus on that and so again I'm putting myself in the lens of like a little girl like in those moments and those memories so that's how my view is of him which is just so interesting that it's always going to be like that um and it's not terrible either. I mean, it's definitely, there's a loss there, but there's also something really special about having it be those moments as well. And, and seeing him only through that lens, I would say. And then the answer to your second question of, have I thought about it? Oh yes, I've thought about it. Um, I think that's a very normal processing and grief, um, kind of factor that happens. And, I think that I think about so many things. I think that my life would look completely different today if he was around. I think I've said this before, but I've, I tend to glamorize him and all of those memories, but who knows about, you know, how strict he would have been, or if I even would have had a really positive relationship with him as an adult. I don't know these things. Obviously I would love to think that I did, um, but I'm not saying like, I wish one way or the other. I'm just saying no one would have known. No one knows what it would look like today. Yeah. It's very interesting perspective. And thanks for sharing. Like I said, I know that was kind of a weird and deep, uh, double perspective question, but I'm, I'm grateful to hear your answer. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, and then going into today's topic, we were kind of just, you know, really scrambling to figure out what we wanted to talk about today. And something that also, I guess, has also kind of just been on my mind um, was how relatable, and maybe it's just like the show, maybe it's like The Summer I Turned Pretty or like other shows that I've been watching with a lot of romance, where I also realize how strong breakups can be in terms of a trigger or a reminder of loss. And I can definitely relate to that um, myself. And then when I texted Mads, I was kind of explaining to her all these other layers and like questions and thoughts that come up. And she said that she could relate too. So I kind of wanted to just dive deeper into that. Um, And I'll just start off by saying that 
I think, so my specific experience is that I lost my dad in seventh grade and I also got my first boyfriend in seventh grade. And I think like at the time, whether I wanted to admit it or not, I was, first of all, just having like, like preteen emotions and having crushes and all of this stuff. But then at the same time was probably, you know, looking for companionship and like having these really intense emotions that could maybe fill the void of what I had just gone through. So obviously as like a 12 year old, I would have no idea that I was doing that. But now looking back, I definitely have that perspective. Um, And so, and so spoiler alert, things didn't work out with the seventh grade boyfriend. Um, I know you were all really furious, but I did then have a boyfriend like in high school. And I, I would say that that was kind of like, at the time, again, a very intense, filled, like emotionally intense um, relationship, because I think I had all of these just really strong emotions coming off of like such trauma that I experienced when I was a preteen. And so I think like going through the loss of breaking up with somebody after that was so incredibly hard. Like, I think it's already hard for teenagers who are in love, quote unquote, um, and are experiencing heartbreak for the first time ever. But then it's like times a million because I'm also triggered by loss. And I think that I didn't, I didn't fully connect the two at the time. Um, but it's also, it's interesting because I then think about how I had to learn from that with future relationships and situationships and um, the loss of like somebody just having somebody around all the time and talking to somebody all the time and then them not being there. It was super triggering. Yeah, I, I can imagine. And it was, I was, it's interesting that you say that because I was, I was thinking when we were talking about this and I was trying to come up with a reason and somebody that I work with is always like, you don't have to find a reason for everything that like why something's the way that it is. But um, I was thinking about when I first felt like grief of like a relationship or someone that I was like talking to all the time and then stopped when I was very young. And I'm like, well, I've gotten a lot better at that. And I'm like, is it because, and I did get no reason, but it's, it's like, is it an age? Is it an experience? Is it like because of my mental health, like therapy journey? Um, but I think that's part of the reason that the whole and we say it all the time that grief shows up everywhere. Um, but I think that's part of the reason that the whole grief and mental health topic intrigues me so much because you can feel it in all these different spots. And I remember feeling when I was little, um, and even now sometimes I'm such a, a relational person, as we say in therapy, um, that sometimes like my relationships mean so much to me that even if there's um, – in this past year, I've gone through losing some pe- people I never thought I would lose in my life. And so it's really interesting how those can have – almost even a similar effect on you as an actual loss of, of grief of someone who's who's passed away. Like there's certain same of the same um the same symptoms. Like I would like black out for things. Like it's just insane how how those can kind of parallel. Um not to discredit Kath your um not that we compare grief, but not to discredit the fact that like they were obviously it was all the things I was feeling when I was younger and so much more because you had that extra experience. Yeah, no, I totally like totally relate to that and agree with that. And one of the things I think that was like the strongest reminder for me was that feeling of like, and I know people who have experienced heartbreak know this feeling. I think 
some people like overindulge in food sometimes or like cope with food um, and like just eat anything that can make them feel better that feels good or you could have the opposite reaction of like you can't eat there's a pit in your stomach like nothing sounds good and that was my reaction and I it was so crazy how this physical symptom like you said was the exact same symptom that I had like when my dad passed it was just like this devastating like I can't even like my head is so all over the place and then my body is reacting like to that um and I was having that really intense physical symptom when I was going through a breakup and it's just also like so hard um and I don't know how much I would love to learn about like if loss affects your attachment style um and for those I that maybe don't know much about attachment styles First of all, read Attached by Amir Levine because it changed my life. <laughs> but also there are like a bunch of different types. There's three, I guess, main types. Um, it's secure, which is like the healthiest attachment style. Um, you're, you can communicate your emotions. You can be vulnerable, but you can have boundaries, like all, all of it. Um, there's anxious attachment, which it means like you're so scared of abandonment or losing somebody um and it's kind of rooted in like maybe not being shown a ton of support or love when you were a child and then there's avoidant um and avoidant was the opposite of that so if you were kind of um there was so much attention and focus on you you kind of like hesitate at commitment and um just don't want to be overwhelmed with uh people who could get attached to you so that's a very basic overview. We could go more into that. But I just think that it's really interesting. I wonder if like, and I don't know, maybe because I was also experienced it when I was really young. And so my mind was still developing. I was still creating all of those like neurological pathways in my head of if that affected my attachment style, because I am super anxious attached and I, um, definitely own it and I recognize it and it's something that I work on myself. Um, but I, I would be so curious to know if there is a link for those people that have experienced or like if they were one way before loss and then after loss, they like switched attachment styles. I, I'm super curious about that. Have you done any work with that? That's a great thought. Um, <laughs> no, I haven't. I've, I know that I'm also very anxious attached. Um, and I've slowly kind of started to realize a little bit that I'm trying to get better at it. And I know like we're always all working on something, but I've, I've noticed I've gotten a little bit more secure as I've got gotten older and grown up a little bit. I'm curious if you feel that that same way or not, or if you still feel like you're like very anxiously attached. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, the first, the first step with everything is just becoming aware of what you are. So the first step was reading about it and being like, Oh, fuck, that's me. And then figuring out like what to do from there. Um, And I think like, again, I, who knows if there's all these links or if these kind of like, specifically attachment style is rooted in something completely different. And that's what really I mean, it's rooted in like, kind of, behaviors in childhood and how you were kind of treated as a child. But I wonder if there are more links that make you like lean one way or another, um, specifically with loss. And so I've definitely gotten better. It's it's a huge topic in therapy. Um, and, and it shows up. 
I mean, it shows up definitely in romantic relationships. I think it's the most like glaring, but I think it shows up in other relationships too. Like even with like friendships or like having to like confront someone with friendships. Like I think anxious attached people are afraid of confrontation sometimes because they are afraid of losing that person. Um, And so whereas like somebody who is secure is able to have an open and honest conversation, like a tougher conversation conversation because they don't have that fear instilled in them of like oh this person's gonna abandon me if I have this type of conversation so it it spans even more than just romantic relationships but I definitely have been working on it I would be curious to know it's a it's a question I also want to have for Kelsey because I did had this experience really young and I think it shaped like my style of today but I would wonder like if she has shifted styles or after um her loss or if she thinks like it's made her stronger in one area or not yeah I know we always we've talked about this this topic a few different times and I didn't even realize we're going to get into it as much as we have and I'm grateful for it because we've talked about it a ton and I think we could do part twos and threes about this because it is such a layered layered concept and I am really intrigued um to hear Kelsey's point of view too um, it's interesting what you're saying when you said um, the fact that um, I was trying to think of your exact words. I had it written down, but the fact that you had like used to not want, or some anxious people don't want to have uh, the conversations because it, it brings this fear. I've kind of realized in my anxious anxious attachment style back when I was younger. It's I think it's gotten a little bit better, but I was like almost so scared of like having to feel like I was losing someone that I would talk to whether it was romantic or friendship that like I would I would be okay being treated better than a tip that I would typically would be because I was so it was almost like a desperation to like not have to feel the, any kind of grief or any kind of darkness with like losing somebody because it was just so triggering and so hard for me. Um, so it's really interesting now that we're talking about it and there's like, again, a gazillion layers, but another piece of it too is like you lose their family members, their friends, the friends you guys have together, and also sometimes places you can't or don't want to go to anymore, things like that. Um, so the whole other aspect of it too is, you know, your family. Like I, I was like sisters with the, my ex's sister. So it's just so interesting to be like, yeah, these are like all these people I know. And now I just don't talk to them anymore. And trying to be, I feel like sometimes it feels so great because of that. And if you're, the longer you're with someone, obviously the more it's just showing up everywhere. But there are just so many different things that go along with losing a relationship that whether it's death or just someone's not no longer in your life. Yeah, it's, I completely agree. And I also was friends with my, um, boyfriend, sister, like pretty good friends. And I always like, that was such a hard loss for me. And, and I think there are certain cases where sometimes you can like still maintain relationships with those people, um, in certain ways. And then there are other times where it just doesn't make any sense to, and you kind of have to walk away for the sake of everybody. Um, and I totally understand that. And I think, yeah, it's just crazy. Like also experiencing those losses, um, and the places thing is really interesting too. kind of bringing it back to like the top of our conversation of like, oh, like I used to go here with um, my partner and it brings me back all of these like special memories, but it's really hard. And I can imagine obviously like being somewhere with the person that you've lost also like is really hard and having to look back on those memories fondly instead of sadly is such a shift. And I think it takes a lot to get there if you even ever get there 
Um, but yeah, I think that, like you said, there are just so many other layers. Have you felt like a breakup from your experience has been like so devastating? I guess, have you also had a breakup before and after you've experienced a loss and would you compare the two or have you, have they only been in like a certain time frame? That's a good question. Um, yes, to both of them. Um, so I definitely feel like it, and I, it's always hard because, like I said, not that I have to find a reason, but I'm like, is it because I've gone through more things? Is it because I figured this out to handle this differently? Um, but I think that the it, the first thing that comes to mind is my most recent experience of grief of somebody who's no longer in my life, but still alive. And that was like the most devastating grief, I think, like of anybody from, a, it, was not, it was not a significant other to me. It was not my partner. And so um, I had this great grief feeling over it because it was somebody who had been in my life for a very long time and they just disappeared. And so I feel like um, there's parts of it that it was almost worse it, for an instance, because then everything that like after that would happen where I was used to having that person there to help me get through it, they just weren't there. Um, and so that's an interesting feeling that like I feel like my worst like grief heartbreak story is not my own heartbreak. I mean, a heartbreak of sorts, but not my own ex-partner. Um, and then it, it makes it so even more so like when um, when my grandfather passed away and that person was like no longer around that normally they would be there to help and just do certain things like that. So um, again, there's a lot of different points of it. Um, and I'm sure, I mean, you probably, I mean, I'm sure you've had some kind of experience of grief, but you're, it's interesting in your case, cause your first experience of grief was so young that maybe you didn't have those big feelings and have, did you, I mean, do you want to speak on that part? Like that's an interesting point of it too. Yeah. I feel like it's, yeah, it's crazy because it only has, I've only had relationships post, right? Like nothing, no relationships before. So who's to say like how I would have felt like if I had never experienced that loss. Um, and I mean, my, my biggest heartbreak, I think to this day was probably, I would say that my high school boyfriend was like my biggest heartbreak. It was such a hard, like, break and cut off because I had to see him all the time um and I think like also feelings of like this person reminds me of home and feeling like really secure and having fond memories of high school and just like growing up like I we had really great I had a really great high school experience so I think he was always kind of like a reminder of that and something that I wanted to hold on to Whereas like college was scary and unknown and I didn't know, like, I didn't know who I was in college. I didn't have like a strong sense of identity. And so I think he also represented all of that too. And so it was hard for me to like let go completely and just really want to hold on to the security, like security of who I was and what home is and like that being such a fond experience. It's interesting that you had that first exp uh, first experience when you were in high school and then the next chapter of your life that like could have been a new chapter, you still were kind of having to figure out how to manage that. Yeah, so, I know. Interesting caveat there. <laughs> I, I know. It's, I know. Yeah. So if you're listening, thanks for all the memories. Um, hope you're doing <laughs> super well. <laughs> um, uh, Gary, Gary did drop his name and I edited it out in, in that podcast episode so tbd if he stays in this one <laughs> um speaking of gary i was i was wondering 
And I was kind of trying to figure out a way to ask this without going off topic because that's not my intention, although typically it happens when I take over the conversation. Um, I was wondering if you're, if you have any or even thought about the fact that your relationship with Gary and how he kind of stepped in for you at any kind of way helped your anxious attachment style get better. Would you not even realize that there was that parallel because you were so young? But it's it's just interesting that maybe you felt that grief. And then as you slowly got closer with Gary, I don't know, did, was, did you notice anything shift in that headspace? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I didn't. I think I was so hyper-focused when I was younger on like not having a dad and what that meant to me. Like I was in an unhealthy way. I was so hyper-focused on that and like assigning the sadness to myself and feeling like I have to be sad because this happened to me that I couldn't focus on anything of the like, obviously I super appreciated all of the support that I was getting from other parents, families, people who would just like adopt me into their families. I felt like I had so many of those and I'm still so grateful for them. Um, some who I still obviously keep in contact today and some who we just haven't kept in contact. And I think that that's okay. I felt super guilty for that for a long time. And that could be a whole nother podcast episode. But um, I think that at the time I didn't see how he helped that. And it, cause I almost, avoided it and pushed it out versus like today I could see of if I let more of that in and accepted it and like fully accepted that there were people that loved me and supported me and could could um show me all of that love that didn't necessarily have to be my parents or my dad specifically that maybe I could have felt a little bit more secure in my attachment style, if that makes sense. I do think attachment style, though, is really rooted from when, like, you're really young. And so I don't know how much of that can change, like, once you're older. I think the becoming aware of it and working on it is, like, how you change it. I'd be interesting. It. I'd be interested to know if age plays a factor of, like, oh, well, then, like, if this happens to you, and, you know, your brain is at this stage of developing, like, then that could change the certain patterns or thoughts or whatever. Or is it just like, you know, past like age 10, you've kind of just developed what you've developed. I, I'm curious to know more about it. I haven't finished the book, which I know is a sin. I have it on my Kindle. I've read a bit of it, but I always get um, kind of drawn in with my book club books I have to read because I've got like a deadline to read them. And so I do need to finish it because I am definitely intrigued to kind of if I mean, I obviously doesn't go into it too much, but to look more into it and when you form these and how you form them and how often they change because mine's never changed that I know of. <laughs> I'm still anxious as hell. That's so funny. Oh my gosh. No, yeah. I mean, I I'm not, I haven't changed either. I think it takes a lot to change because it's like you, for years, like we didn't even know what we were. And so like to have to change all of these thought patterns that we've developed for over 20 plus years, it's like that that's going to take a lot of work and a lot of time. The good thing is that now we're more rational human beings, hopefully, than when, than we were when we were um, 12, 14, 16, whatever. But um, yeah, it's, it's such an interesting topic of how it could be maybe related to grief. It could just be your upbringing. It could be other experiences that you've had. but. Overall, I think like 
I think it could be connected. I had a question for you, though. If after having experienced that, like, heartbreak that and that you mentioned, like, wasn't necessarily your partner, but somebody, the grief of somebody um, still alive, would you say, do you think, like, in the future, if you do have to go through a breakup, that you would feel more prepared to go through it? Or do you think, like, your emotions kind of just overtake everything in the at that time? Mm, that's a very good question. Um, and I'm not saying that what you say today will be true. Just curious what you think would happen. I will let you know. I don't know. Um, it's interesting. <laughs> well, maybe I, you'll never break up again and then I'll I, never know. I was, here's hoping. Um, I will say that uh, I, I might have hinted to it, but I don't know. I'm comfortable saying it now. Um, I am dating someone that is semi-newish in my life as in didn't know the people or the relationship that I used to have. Um, and so, what did you say? I said big update. <laughs> <laughs> big update. Just dropped it on you guys. Um, but I did it. So this person that I am dating now wasn't around or didn't know me at all whenever this other person that I'm grieving was in my life. And so there's no recollection of them. And so it's this weird, I feel like I'm having the experience of it's taking, it took me longer to feel like I could trust someone. This is also the first person I've let in that close to me since the first loss was happened. So I don't know if it'll get better as things move on. Um, I do know that it took me a lot longer and harder to like trust this person than I normally would because in the past year I had just gone through such um, a weird devastation of people not being who you thought they were. Um, so I definitely notice it in a role now and it's almost a little bit freeing that they don't know these people because I've talked about it, but I haven't talked about it a ton. Um, and so, and I know Kathy and I'll, I'm sure I'll get back more into it one day and Kathy kind of knows the story, but it's just, it's very interesting to be like, oh, I don't have to claim that. Like that doesn't have to like be, my people at work still know about it, but like this person doesn't have to know. Um, and that the situation, and I hate, sorry to be so, you know, not, not <laughs> just being talking about it so vaguely, but um, the situation was so like great and grand to me that I was just like, I don't know. I was just kind of like shocked and put in a spot where I didn't know. I was like, uh, I don't know if I like, I don't, do I want to explain this to someone? Do I want to get back into it? Cause it was very important to me, but it's not right now. And so I haven't really crossed that bridge yet. So, um, on this end, I mean, I think it's helped me be more aware of my relationship so far. Um, I would be curious to see, like you said, like if there is a breakup or any kind of, of, you know, loss that if I feel like it has affected me. Um, so I guess we'll stay tuned and find out and I'll keep you updated. <laughs> okay. Well, we hope that you don't go through a devastating like breakup or loss and that if it does happen, you know, you'll be okay and everything. But I was just curious. Um, and yes, I was selfishly also thinking about your new um, person that you were dating and wanted to give that tease too. Um, on the on that topic, which I think we've talked about a little before, um, and I guess this might just be like a dating and breakups episode, but I was thinking about, well, first, actually, I should say, it's interesting that you choose the path of like, I don't have to claim this or talk about this um, because this person has no idea about that person that I lost. Uh, 
and that whole relationship. And I think we have talked about before in terms of dating of like whether or not you want to bring up an experience like that, especially when it's somebody new that has no idea, uh, like didn't, didn't ever meet the person. And I think I can imagine that if it's like a harder or more complicated story or there was a sort of like voluntary loss that that evoked more evokes maybe some more feelings of anger and make it like a a harsher kind of um conversation topic versus looking back on a loss that was involuntary and was a person like that you look back on with such uh joyful and positive memories at, at this time. And so I think maybe that influences like whether or not you want to bring that person up and claim it for sure. Definitely. And when you were saying that, it made me think that I, just for context, I did talk to this person about both of my grandfathers that I talk about on the podcast. So it's interesting too, to kind of have the thought of like, obviously the experience we're referring to was a very negative experience. And I don't know if for me, it was one of the hardest times of my life. And so I'm not sure if for me, it's like me either like just being like, okay, if I don't like, I don't have to claim it and I don't have to think about it. But like, then it's just interesting that I trust somebody with so many other things, but I won't talk about I haven't like brought that up. And it's, it's a weird line. Cause like, I would never not talk about, you know, that's one way I think grief is different. I would never not talk about Papa or my grandpa. Like I, and I haven't gone into it the way I've gone into it with you guys, um, both privately and on air. But it's interesting that you can kind of have that choice and kind of think and not saying that sometimes people don't have great relationships with their family members and and they're it's not not that they're okay, but that it's not something that comes up all the time. And that's totally okay too. Um, but it's interesting that the people that I positively have positively but also like actually lose, I, I try to I don't know if it's me keeping their memory alive, trying to talk about them um, and or how that kind of plays a role in it. Yeah, I just thought that that that's really interesting that then you've talked about like your grandfather's, but not about that loss. And, and it also like it being fresh or recent might play a factor too. Like it's not really a wound you want to like go into right now versus you've had more time to process the others. There's another thought that I have and it's like, will this, and this is kind of a, this is going to sound kind of deep, but it's, is this person going to even understand? Because you know, like you saw me and you knew my relationship, Kathy, personally. And so when I was dealing with that, you knew kind of how devastating it was and you could see me go through it, but it's almost like, oh, that person didn't die. This just happened. So it's not as like, this person won't remember it as deep or won't, won't think it's as deep or as real or whatever it was, because it's not, they're still alive or whatever, whatever that feeling is. Yeah, that is so, so true. It's like sometimes like let's say there's a person, you know, whose pet was like their best friend or just meant so much to them. And I'm not I'm not comparing. I'm just giving an example of something else of like if that person lost their pet. Oh, shout out to Eloise um, that that would be, you know, like sometimes those losses are greater than losing somebody in your family because the dog or cat or whatever means so much to you and is like your companion and your best friend and along with along the ride with for so many things and it's just like how does a person who meets you after that think oh you like okay your dog died like it seems like such a blip in the story versus 
how insanely impactful it was in the moment. Um, it is interesting to think about it like that. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel. It's like how it. there's nothing that I can say that will make this person understand as much as they care about how I feel in my past that how tr- devastating it truly was for me. And so, yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly it. Um, and then another thing that I kind of think about in, and I've talked about this before in like the dating realm and loss, and it came up, I guess, kind of like on a date that I had recently. Um where I was, it was that first date of like, where you talk about your families and kind of a little bit of upbringing and stuff like that. And I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast, but I talk about it a lot. I think with you guys or just with other people that can relate of like, can you, do you think that you seek out a partner or do you think their family like dynamics play a role in whether you like think they're attractive or want to pursue them even more. Um, And to put that more, to be more blunt, I guess, is like, if this person, there is a thought sometimes where I'm like, if they don't have a dad, is that like a red flag for me? And I know that sounds terrible because I would never want somebody to think that about me, but I'm in the spirit of honesty on this podcast. Like, it's something that I think about of like, okay, well then like, we just wouldn't have dads like and that's just like it's dark but it's something that I like think about that and also <laughs> you can definitely get my anxious attached to this last these last two statements <laughs> because I'm already thinking about that on like date one but um no to be but it is something that I just think about of like if there was a future with this person like would that be something that I'm like comfortable with and then I and then I also think about like well, also, does it make them that much more of like a stronger and formidable person and resilient person that they've also experienced something like that, or they can relate to me in certain aspects, um, whether or not they experience loss in the same way. Um, so I think about that of like, would I not go for somebody that didn't? That is so real. Like, that's <laughs> I know, I know, I know. And it's, it's hard to admit. And it's, I hate that I even admit it. But, but I then I think about like some of some amazing people in my life, who do not have strong relationships with people with their living parents. And um, just how amazing of a person I think that those people are, and who they are today is because they've had to deal with such hardship in their family dynamics. And so it's, it's kind of like a catch 22. Like it defined, it has kind of defined the person of who they are and that makes them super attractive. But I also selfishly, I mean, again, this is in the spirit of honesty, think about like, I would really want to have like another set of parents. And especially because I'm down one, like it'd be nice, but, but who knows, like who knows what the future holds. And it's, it's like the love of my life. Obviously I'm not going to be like, you don't have a dad. So I'm not going after you. Like I would never do that. I just, I have that real thought and I wanted to share that. Well, that is a real thought and I'm glad that you shared it. Um, what you were saying, and this might be a good happier note to, to start closing out on, but when you had said that, you know, you wish it'd be nice to have another parent or um, we were talking about the, the grief of sometimes when someone passes away, 
relationships also that you would have kept up with if they were still around kind of dissipate. Um, and I wanted to pull it around. And I know I mentioned it when I was talking about my grandfather at some point, but his brother, Uncle Ken, was really stepped in and really... We love Uncle Ken. He, I'm going to have to post some of the text messages he sends me because he is just the sweetest human being. Um, but I was thinking about the, the positive side, not that there's a positive side, but the positive side or the opposite of what we were talking about is that I would only really talk to him on like Christmases or holidays. And now we text all the time. Um, he's doing great. He texts, I sent him pictures from my trip to Colorado and he was like, you just enhance, the beauty just enhances you. Like these like poetic, beautiful (laughs) thoughts. He's so sweet. Um, he signs all of his texts, love grandpa Ken. And it's just so cute. And I also love to think about the fact that my grandpa would be really happy or is whatever you believe in, very happy that we're connected still. Um, and he told me uncle Ken, since we are an uncle Ken fandom here, that he is in a spelling bee at the senior center versus two other seniors and he oh has 500, 500 words to learn and he um does it in october and he is 92 years old oh my gosh you absolutely have to post when it's time and we can send him all of our like greatest wishes maybe we can send him a card or good luck card and sign it and we definitely need to see I hope there's a picture. I really need to see a picture. <laughs> I know. I was talking to my mom and I was like, how do I pull out of savings to go and be there for oh. the dance spelling bee? Like, I just have, I have to see it. Um, I will definitely keep you posted so we can send him some good vibes and definitely a card from us for sure. Uh, but I just wanted to touch on that because that was just, it made my week and, and I just, I know we, we've mentioned him before. Yes, we love Uncle Ken. And shout out to all of the bonus dads, grandpas, moms, family members that really step in and check in on us and that you're right. Like there is, you know, there's that positive of like building relationships with people we may not necessarily have ever had a relationship with. And now how lucky are we that all of these people like do want to kind of step in. Um, And so, yeah. And all of that to say, if even if, you know, you are somebody that doesn't have a dad or a mom or a grandpa and your partner also doesn't have a dad or a mom and a grandpa. There are so many other people that can love you and support you and, you know, surround you with everything that you can get from those people. So just want to end, I think. And it's not a deal breaker for Kathy if you also have lost a parent. For anybody out there listening, Zach, I see you. Yes, please still reach out. Um, I am available. And on that note, we are we are available on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Rate and review us. Thank you for listening along to Kath and Mads round two. Um, we are so excited that you continued on <laughs> from our last episode. We really upgraded the tech. And so we hope that you recognize that. Um, and follow us on Instagram. We have a TikTok. Please follow us there. Share our videos. Any last words? What you said, absolutely. I do want to say that I do think we have we've excelled our game from our last one-on-one. Um, we got to consult our tech queen of all things, Kelsey, and she gave us some tips. Um, but on that note, Kath. On that note, see you later. Bye.